At the age of just 19, Brian formed the Rolling Stones. I'm milling about with Nick Broomfield, and he is the director of the Stones and Brian Jones. Hi, Nick. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So you were 14 years old when you met Brian Jones, and now here yeah. you are 60 years later. Amazing. Yeah, exactly. It is amazing. It's amazing we're all here still. No, it was it was it was amazing because as a fourteen year old, that you know the Stones were kind of our heroes, and they were, they broke all the rules and behaved in the way we wanted to behave, um, and so seeing him on the train was like wow, you know, it's like see, meeting one's hero, you know, and then he was so nice and so, you know, kind of kind and well spoken, I you know and. I don't know what I was expecting, but they were sort of famous for doing things like urinating on garage walls and getting fined by magistrates for bad behavior and stuff. And he was just this very well, you know, well-spoken middle-class guy, you know, so who was into train spotting too. He, you know, loved trains and he had a big train set of his own and, uh, well, I certainly didn't expect any of that. So it was very left a deep impression on me. And then, of course, you know, he died uh, seven years later, um, which was an, an, another mystery, because from our point of view, they had everything that we, we, you know, we would have loved. You know, was, we all fantasized about the life they must have. So, yeah. It's it's interesting because, you know, a lot of Rolling Stones fans aren't really that familiar with Brian Jones because he led such a short life, you know, it just sort of mm. exploded onto the scene. So what was the impact that you think he left on them now? They've got a new album out. Mm. Yeah, great album. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's I guess what he did was he was the founder member. And he sort of, you know, combined uh, Mick and Keith, who I think at that time had their own band, with, you know, Bill and Charlie Watts. And he put, and of course himself. Um, and so he put that band together. And I think he, you know, put the adverts out in the newspapers for them. I think Bill Wyman was a electrician or something yeah. before he joined the band. So... Uh, he did that, and also he was the most sort of musically accomplished of the Stones at that time. He had played in another band, and he, um, you know, would spend a lot of time with Alex Corner, uh, Alexis Corner, who would bring all the blues artists over from America, and he'd worked out how to play the slide guitar. So he was very instrumental in getting the early stones together. And I think he would book all the gigs and, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, and and I guess was the one who w really wanted them to cover a lot of blues artists. Yeah. Howling Wolf and Muddy Waters, that kind of thing. Uh, but wasn't a songwriter. So his influence kind of finished there, I think. Yeah. Um, tell me about 
reaching out to the stones. It seems that you've only used audio. Was this because it was during COVID and you couldn't get to them or what was your access like? Um, well, I know Mick and, you know, various other members of the band, but uh, the reason there are very few films on the beginnings of the stones or on this period is because uh, the stones are very controlling and there's a uh, there must be a heap of films that were started and never got finished um and i didn't want to be one of those i you know and i, I also didn't i don't think it works well when you have as you know one of the producers of the film the people you're making the film about you know i think looking at various films that are playing at the moment on on netflix where you know the participant is also very much involved in the producing of the film they all fall sadly short um and so you know i think uh to to make the film you want to make that you feel is the truthful film you need to have a little bit of distance from the subject so i very purposely didn't involve them and i guess bill Wyman, who's in the film, was no longer a part of the Stones. So um, although he was the sort of archivist who collected yeah. everything and um, kept a diary of every single day that he was in the Stones so that his library, you know, you go into his library, there's this enormous bookshelf full of his diaries of every single, every single day that he was with them. Um, he was obviously an enormous resource. And, uh, you know, uh, I think we just tried to do a very fair portrait of all of them. I don't think any, you know, we, I, I think it's just an understanding of that period more mm. than a kind of he did this and he did that kind of film. Well, you do delve into all the women in his life and his children. Oh, yeah and you got access to his girlfriends, but did you want to reach out to his kids? Was that something to do? Well, none of his kids knew him. He never oh. had a relationship with his children. Um, so, you know, um, that makes you, sense. Wouldn't get, you wouldn't get much insight into Brian from, unfortunately, from talking to them because, well, also you have to remember he, he, he lived, to his 27 so he he didn't really have a lot of time to have a relationship either uh but certainly the women that he was involved with remained very loving towards him um most of and, them <laughs> yeah they, they did yeah most of them probably yeah <laughs> although even pat who speaks in that interview the bbc interview and and clearly um, is very angry with him. She ran his fan club after that. Oh yeah. So yeah. So he a very complicated person, Brian Jones. Very very complicated. Very difficult to judge uh, because he he was a, a a person full of contradictions. You know, full of talent. Obviously, made the his girlfriends feel very loved for a certain amount of time and gave them something. Um, and at the same time, you know, I think Bill talks about how cruel and mean he could be at times. 
Yeah. They so, they said he was quite the uh, Lothario. <laughs> I, I think so. I, I thought that good. was very beautiful, that bit where Dawn's saying, you know, he taught me about my body and uh, he he really, he, yeah, he he really knew how to please a woman. Yes. Um, and I, I think she said all that and then was a bit worried about what her husband might think. So, yeah. She, it was obviously a very, very important part of her life. You know? Obviously, she yeah. She loved him very much, yeah. So what would you say was your best get in terms of, of who you got to speak with or or the most surprising? Well, um, I don't really know. I, I think um, I think the most, well, it was obviously great to have that interview with Bill. I thought that was kind of rather wonderful and it wasn't something we were expecting. Um, you know, Bill talks so passionately about the music, their music and putting together various songs and how Brian played the Mellotron and played the recorder on, you know, Ruby Tuesday. And he's so animated when he's talking about it. You can really see his love for that music. And I think that's a, that was a wonderful, magical thing that happened. So I really enjoyed doing that. But I think over and above that, you just see this very, very complicated you know, kind of boy, man, because um, he was so young in all of this, <clears throat> kind of struggling to form an identity, tr struggling to um, get a clearer sense of himself and not doing a great job at it. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's like a, a jigsaw puzzle of pieces of this, you know, complicated insecure person who was very very talented and in the world in a way had the world at his feet yeah but wasn't ultimately strong enough to keep it all together yeah and i wonder if he was still alive what the dynamic would have been between him and mick because i think when he died he sort of paved the way for mick to shine and really become mick jagger well i think mick was already doing pretty well um, you know, he, I mean, there's only one Mick Jagger and, and I think he had already, uh, you know, the footage that's in the film of him at the Albert Hall, you know, with women just, you know, jumping all over him on the stage. I mean, some of that footage of that concert footage of the chaos and riots that they incited with their music. Is, has got to be the most amazing because I, I guess nobody knew what they were dealing with. So there, there wasn't really any security there. So the concerts would just, you know, turn into mayhem. And, you know, Mick always sort of had this incredible charisma that was, you know, no one else really had. <laughs> so I think it was pretty hard to try and even vaguely compete with that yeah i mean I, you know brian was very beautiful and i think at the beginning he had you know more fans than mick or more according to bill he got more letters and he had more women but well, that was obvious <laughs> but that was that was for the first year and a half and then i think you know mick was just so unbelievable that 
there was no way Brian could compete. And I think his problem was that he, you know, couldn't just make the best of what there was, which was that they were the greatest rock and roll band and just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think because his parents were so ambitious for him, it was, it was ridiculously important for him to be seen as being the leader. You know, he, and he, he couldn't just um, kind of settle in and get on with it. You know, I kind of respect that you didn't really touch on his death and you were really concentrating on his life uh, because his death still remains a mystery and almost like, you know, this weirdness amongst the fans. They still don't really know what happened. Well, I don't, I, I don't really, I mean, the reason I didn't dwell on it is because I don't, I, you know, I, I reached out to all those sort of uh, conspiracy theories and read the books and so on. Um, and I, you know, I think Brian did was doing an excellent job in finishing himself off. I don't think he needed someone to come and kill him. I think he was you know, taking so much mandrax and all the rest of it, and he was out of it half the time. And um, he, the, it was just a, a matter of when he was going to do something stupid. And, uh, you know, I spoke to Bill Wyman at length because Bill's girlfriend Ingrid was best friends with uh, Anna Wallen who was Brian's girlfriend at the time okay. and Anna Wallen spent the, the first four days after Brian's death with Bill and Ingrid hiding in the um, Hilton at Kensington uh, to get away from the press and just spilt uh being you know all her you know anxiety and sadness she just went over and over it with bill and ingrid and was quite clear that he had drowned at the bottom of the pool and she tried to revive him and failed and then you know 10 years later she writes this book saying that it was murder and i said to bill how do you explain it she said he said money oh you know, it's the and it, it, yeah, and you know, I I just knowing what I did about him and his mental health and uh, his his general ability to look after himself, I I just I found it very hard to subscribe to a conspiracy theory, and I didn't want to open it all up and waste a whole lot of time on the film looking at something that I really didn't think had any validity to it. Yeah. So what what came out of it that would sort of impact uh, audiences today? What do you think they'll, they'll learn from it? Or what have you learned from it? Well, I think, uh, you know, on one level, it's, it's exactly the same for everybody, whether you're a rock star or not. It's that, you know, you you kind of have to, you know, outlive. You've you've got to sort of deal with disapproving parents one way or another, or you you know it's about somebody trying to have their life and having a real problem to do so because their family and parents and background disapprove of them. That's it on its most simple level, and then I guess 
it's also about the intrigues within a band, you know, which is kind of like a family or kind of like a tribe. And what happens to somebody who gets squeezed out? And um, I think it was very interesting what David Dalton, who was Marianne Faithfull's biographer, said, which is, you know, when you're a member of a band, it's like being in a tribe, a very primitive tribe. And it's like when people in a tribe get forced out and no one wants to talk to them, they go off into the woods and die, you know, because approval from the tribe is the most important thing in their lives. And without it, they can't live. And I think that's kind of what happened to Brian. You know, he was, this was the thing he loved, this was the thing he had created. This was kind of his baby and he was forced out of it. And he, he died three months later. You know, it's, um, I think that's the tragedy of it. And, and also, you know, a kind of very powerful metaphor, I think. Well, it's a very powerful documentary. And thank you so much for joining me today. Thank it's been you. a great pleasure. Okay, well, hopefully we'll see you next time. I hope so. If you had to do all over again, do you think you'd go the same route again as far as, you know, now that you realize the demands that are put on you as a tremendous success? I'd do it 100 times over if I could. I love it. Always news. Always refreshing. Always candid. Always billing about. Robin Milling delivers what celebrities are saying to you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.